Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. On March 11th, 2011, there was a rumbling off the northeast coast of Japan. That rumble became a 9.0 magnitude mega thrust earthquake that shook the Japanese people out of their post-lunch daydreams. Terror paralyzed everyone along the coastline. It was the most powerful earthquake ever recorded in Japan and the fourth strongest earthquake ever felt on the planet. But it was about to get worse. It took only 30 minutes for multiple 50-foot waves to reach the Fukushima shoreline. Around 20,000 people lost their lives. The raging waters literally invaded every Japanese life that day, including, tragically, the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear reactors, which were completely overwhelmed by the onslaught of salt water. This was the only disaster in human history, aside from Chernobyl, to be rated a level 7 out of 7 on the international nuclear event scale. In the next few hours, as the nuclear core cracked open and leaked into the ocean, 150,000 residents were forced to evacuate with just the clothes on their back and whatever keepsakes they could grab. Government buses escorted people away, and they left behind everything, including their cars. Ten years later, those same cars sit abandoned in driveways with radioactive scrub brush tickling their undercarriages. Some brave souls and Google Maps camera cars have documented what was left behind. GTRs, RX-7s, 350Zs, and even a 1964 Impala have been sitting and waiting for their next drivers with a sweet offer, a very low mileage, and some very high radiation. Why don't you see many old cars driving around Japan? Why does it take a massive disaster to stockpile some of the most desirable JDM cars? What is shaken, and why is it stirring up the auto industry in Japan so much that people just don't want to drive old cars? Today on Pass Gas, it's a very JDM edition of Barn Finds, or Naya Haken. Pass Gas Podcast is 
I've watched a couple little documentaries on people going back to Fukushima area. Yeah, I saw Godzilla. Never thought of cars. Yeah, that is pretty cool. That's what Godzilla, that's, they went there in Godzilla. Uh, in the remake with Brian Cranston, uh, Godzilla was the reason for the reactor meltdown. And then Brian Cranston and, and his son have to go back to the zone. That's right. I I really like that movie. I think there's a really hokey part that kind of ruins the whole movie for me. <laughs> I mean, it's there's some like cheesy lines and stuff, but there's literally a train with a nuclear warhead going through a small town and a guy just like with a gun guarding it, announcing <laughs> that where it's going. And <laughs> it's just like the worst exposition. He's just like, watch out, nuclear warhead coming through to Kogil, kill Godzilla and... And it's just like the this dude standing on a train announcing to this tiny town where this nuclear warhead's going. He's just excited, man. Watch out here. Train coming through with nuclear warhead. Gonna go kill Godzilla. <laughs> well, we got a podcast train coming through today for you guys, folks. Hello. Toot, toot. Toot, toot. Welcome back to Past Gas. I'm Nolan Sykes, joined as always by my friends. We got James Pumphrey. Uh, we were more co- like colleagues. All right, my best friend Joe Weber. <laughs> <laughs> work friends, work friends. Well, okay, wow, feeling very despondent today. It's a new year, man. I just want to like set boundaries and be honest with oh, people. Oh well, all right. Well, <laughs> we can talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> if if you have to, man, if you have to talk about it, we can. Um, but sure. Yeah. Your dad is a friend for life for sure. I met Scott, uh, <laughs> maybe 22nd of December. We've been t- texting ever since. Wow. I'm glad you guys hit it off so well. I feel like Scott's a funny name for a dad. Scott. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scott's like a young guy's name. It's like nobody's dad's name is like Chris. <laughs> I've had a lot of people's names. Dads are Chris. Yeah. Email us at pastgas at donut media. If your dad's, if your name, dad's is name is Chris. Like if your dad's name is Zach. Oh, that's going to be an interesting one. Yeah. What's going on? Or like Brayden. Brayden. Yeah, if, if your dad's name is Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's dad. I don't think there's anybody who has a dad named Devin. No. Not a single no. person. Devin. They then they they switch it up to their middle name, or they just go by Mister Mister. Yeah, Devin. <laughs> Mister Devin. Scott's like the name of a brother. Well, he is someone's brother. So <laughs> well, yeah, that he's makes my sense uncle's brother. <laughs> What's your uncle's name? Tom. That's oh, a dad that's a name. dad name. Totally. Yeah. yeah. What if you just called your dad your uncle's brother? Uh, him? He's my uncle's brother. You mean your dad? My uncle's brother? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he's my dad, but... He's also he's my all- uncle's brother. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is the new year, uh, 2022. We've, uh, I don't know, we, we, we batch... We, we had to get a bunch of these podcasts recorded before the New Year's break and Christmas break. So now this is our first recording that we're doing of the new year. I'm very excited. Um, I think it's going to be a good year, guys. 2022. Can't believe we're this far into the future now. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm keeping my expectations real low. Yeah, man. I'm just like kind of waking up every day. You know? Yeah. Like if I can go outside and go to the restaurant, 
That's a win for me. Well, I'm glad you guys share my enthusiasm. It's going to be another banner year for Pass Gas over here. Dude, if I can just hang out with Scott once a week. <laughs> yeah, dude. If, if Scott hits me up, if I can just do, if I can log into the text chain with Joe and Scott <laughs> and see some of those fire memes that Scott's sharing. Then oh, like, yeah. The day's a good day. He sends a lot of thumbs up emojis, you know. Dude, He's you really even... keeping it lively. <laughs> Quit, man. You you don't know what's up. You're not, no, man. You don't. Okay. You get the sun treatment. We get <laughs> yeah, the friend get treatment. The sun treatment. We're friends with Scott. All right. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> he like he literally is like, don't show these to Nolan. He sends us car- <laughs> he sends us carburetor memes. <laughs> yeah, and they're dirty, dude. They're funny. <laughs> Dang, I, I I am envious. Twenty twenty two, the year. That I moved into a house where the toilet is too close to the counter, <laughs> so I have to sit side saddle. <laughs> you talk to your landlord about that? Maybe ask him to I mean, move the, it this, this place was built in like 1937. They're not going to like carve out some knee room. Uh, for everyone listening at home, I moved into a new domicile and I didn't poop while I was touring the place. But then once I moved in, I realized that the toilet is so close to the sink that I have to sit sideways when I poop. Would that have, would have been a deal breaker if you had tested it? No. Nah. <laughs> I like your place a lot. It's cool. Thanks, man. I'm worried I'm going to get a UTI. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Drink some, some cranberry juice. Yeah. All right. While incredibly historic and clinging to a revered history, today, Japan is a country of shiny new things. Japan was rocking camera phones back when we were just starting to get rid of our beepers. Their toilets lovingly coo to you and sport heated seats. You can get beer and undies out of vending machines on their subway system. And best of all, you've got robot cashiers who don't force you to make small talk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hate talking to plebs. I love being in restaurants and just ordering off of uh, virtual menus and never having to talk to waiters. Makes me feel really good. I don't want some freaking servant talking to me. And I want my food to come on a little conveyor belt. Would that yeah. look like it looks like a train or a boat? I want my existence to be me just floating to different establishments, but never having to interact with anybody. Yeah, especially if they're beneath me, like people in the service <laughs> industry. You know, this is making me realize that, like, Scott would have really loved this script. Like, Dude, he yes. loves. This is just, totally right up Scott's alley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Japan is often referred to as a nation that's already living in the future, especially when it comes to anything technological. And that includes cars. Americans, on the other hand, really like to hold on to our cars. According to an IHS market study, in 2021, the average age of a newly purchased car was 12 years. That means the average person driving next to you bought their car while the C7 Corvette was just getting sketched out as a model and no one even knew what a Tesla was. I do know this, like when you go on Japanese Craigslist, um, there's like the average mileage for cars on there is like 60,000 miles. Well, they have a very robust public transit system, so that makes sense. While it sounds boring to drive a car forever, it has certain advantages. First, you can have a paid off car. Second, no bank will tell you what you can do with your car. Third, 
You can just get personal liability insurance, and that's kind of nice. The Japanese disagree, though. They're known to have the cleanest, newest, rust-free vehicles on their twisty and fun roads. The average new car in Japan is half the age of an American car. At six years, it is typical to ditch the dusty whip and go buy a whole new vehicle. And while there are advantages to keeping your aging car around, getting a shiny new one has its own advantages, aside from the new car smell. The new tech is cleaner for the environment, the safety standards are higher, and your significant other will stop complaining about how your car smells like burning oil and is home to a clutter of spiders that wait until you're driving down the road to emerge from the door sills and crawl all over you. Yeesh. We've all been there. When the Japanese get sick of their cars or there are too many spiders roaming around inside of it, they sell it for basically nothing. The cars go for pennies on the end because nobody in Japan is going to buy a car that is more than six years old. Once cars age out of the Japanese ownership cycle, they are shipped to Africa, the UK, India, Australia. And if they're super cool, a little place called America. Cars are bought up by resellers who foot the shipping charge to make a profit on the other end, and they do make a hell of a profit. Back in 1995, you could pick up a brand new R33 Skyline for 4.785 million yen, which is about $40,000 uh, American. Today, that same R33 will cost upwards of hundred to 150000 depending on how nice it is. That's a lot of money for uh, a 25-year-old Nissan that looks like a Maxima. (laughs) (laughs) But the cultural stigma of having a slightly used car isn't the only reason the Japanese are out there turning their noses up at all those great cars from 2015. There's also something called Shokin, which is short for Jidosha Kinsa. Torokusieto. <laughs> Nailed it. Which is perfectly pronounced by me. So I have no I see no issue. Congratulations, everybody. Thank you. We did it. Shokin is a draconian inspection system required for car ownership in Japan, and apparently it sucks. Every two years, a car must undergo Shokin, and it can cost close to $1,000 every time. Wow. Newer cars are exempt, but at a, the three-year point, your brand new car becomes a danger to the roads of Japan, and the man needs to take a look at what you got going on. <laughs> Did you modify your car at all? Maybe gave it a little tweak or a tune. Maybe a little exhaust. You like lowered it a little bit or something. You can't do that, surprisingly. So when you show up for shocking, they're going to slap a sticker called Fuzake Zosha. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, now it's been declared a menace to society and is banned from the streets. But Whoa, that sucks. What do you do if your car is deemed illegal? Since so many cars get hit with this sticker during the inspection, there's a whole process where a mechanic gives you the rundown of what's making your car such a bad little boy. This is insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This I mean, is crazy. It's not dissimilar to California. I know, but after, nah, we, after three years, the only thing California do, is hard on is the admissions thing. I know, but we have to... $1,000. $1,000, yeah. I mean, how much... It costs like... 
less than $100 to do smog here. But I'm just saying, like, after three years, they get more and more. Yeah, you know, three year car strenuous. is like a new car. I know, but yeah, if you crazy. don't modify your car, you're fine. Hey, dude, plonk off. <laughs> hey, plonk you, man. Don't make me call Scott. <laughs> Scott's going to help me pass my shaking. Scott's retiring, so uh, he, he'll have plenty of time to do that. Now, this is where the problems start. Since regulations are always changing, updates are always needed, uh, and those are pricey. The cheapest and most taken option is to just get rid of your car. This solves a ton of problems, and you just go buy a new car. The other option is to take your car to a shocking shop where they have fixed fees of $1,000 to get your car back on the road. It's not a complete scam, but adding $1,000 every other year to the price of car ownership kind of sucks. And the last option is to get the list of needed fixes and do it yourself. Most home mechanics will do that and present it for reinspection. This is just the exact same as California. It's not the exact same. Yeah, we have to do it every two it's a, years. It's a bit harsher. For smog, yeah. Uh, dude, I took my car to get smogged a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. I got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dang. dude. That is just like no. Japan. Did you leave a bad Yelp review? <laughs> no, it was, I, it was five stars. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if. Um, I mean, I bet the, the 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 car manufacturers have to like love this, right? Like the fact that uh, the public is incentivized to just keep buying new cars. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if they lobbied to have this happen. I would not be surprised. And then there's also just the horsepower tax, which kind of sucks. Is it horsepower or it's uh it's the size of your engine, right? Yeah, displacement. Yeah. yeah. In Japan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why they don't have huge engines. That's why K cars are like the cheapest. Under six hundred sixty cubic centimeters. I'm sure we'll get into it. we'll be right back with more of this story but first a word from our sponsors angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well i absolutely love this because you know if you own a home it can be really hard to maintain it's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small well whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality It can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Unless you really, really like your old car and don't mind doing your own work, most people will just get a new one because they don't want to pay a random tax for owning a used car. While most Japanese cars will just end up on slow boats to Africa, 
while they'll be sold on auction to retailers. But the very special cars will sit and wait for their 25th birthday so they can take a trip to America, where they can be sold for three times their MSRP. Starting in 1985, America set up all these rules around importing foreign cars because they don't meet the strict regulations we have in place for safety and emissions. In 1988, though, Senator Bob Whitaker said that it was no fair, and he sponsored the Imported Vehicle Safety Compliance Act. This allowed what he called, quote, automotive enthusiasts to import any car they wanted from foreign lands so long as the car was 25 years old. In 1988, that meant you could finally import a dope 1963 Prince Skyline Sport or a 63 Honda S500, both very small cars with very small motors. But they were fun and different. When Whitaker got his bill passed into law, Japanese folks started taking a long look at all the rotting pre-63 cars laying around, and they saw dollar signs in their eyes. Americans started counting down the days as soon as a cool car came out in the Japan-only market. The 70s Skylines, the 80s AE86s and Sylvias, the 90s Supras and GTRs were all on the table. And in 2025, we're going to see a complete flood of even better cars. Like the R34? R34 will be legal soon. That is correct. S15. S15, yes. And the cool thing is, is they're going to be all super cheap because they're so old. Oh, they're so cheap. Dude, you can get an R34 Skyline for like $375,000. Dude, it's so cheap. I'm thinking about, for my first car, I haven't, I'm getting my driver's license soon. Yeah. You think a R34 is a good first car? Yeah, dude, you should either get like an R34 or an Evo. Or, I was thinking Evo. Yeah, get an Evo and like, but do like big turbo. Yeah. Scott gave me some money for college. <laughs> Dude, I had to tell Scott to quit giving me money. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yo, I'm your son's boss. This is weird. <laughs> it's only because he's like, you know, he's like big bro, you know? Yeah. He always has like so much cash in his wallet, too. It's Dude, like, so much. Scott just like throws it around. Dude. Yeah. It's like. He keeps saying, you're doing me a favor by taking some of this. It's like, like, dude, just so- <laughs> stop getting so much cash out of the ATM. Yeah, he's like, dude, it's making my pants heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, give it to your girlfriend, dude. <laughs> oh, dude, we were supposed to tell him that. <laughs> Disasters are often a huge source of cars that are shipped to new markets. And the nicer and more valuable the car, the more likely it is to be reconditioned and flipped. Hurricanes Katrina and Sandy saw cars shipped en masse out of Louisiana and Texas dealerships and moved all over the U.S. to get cleaned up and resold. A man-made disaster is no different. I mean, a big problem with floods is that these cars will get shipped to states that allow for tidal washing. Yeah. Where, you know... There's no way to verify if a car has been flooded besides looking, you know, under carpet and stuff like that, really doing a, uh, a deep dive into the car. So just be careful out there. I think there's a bunch of like VinWiki videos on title washing and how people got screwed well, over. We also like- have a really great one, too, Joe. So <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway. The 1600 square mile exclusion zone around Fukushima is home 
to some very desirable JDM cars that were slowly disappearing for completely mysterious reasons. Those reasons took the cars out of Japan and across the sea to Russia and Korea, and a bunch even made it to America. The year after the Fukushima disaster, importers noticed something was off, and they started buying Geiger counters. Tons of cars started blowing the needle right off the radiation detectors, and the Japanese export market got a little squirrely. And this is right when Fast Five dropped in theaters, featuring a pretty impressive Hakosuka that can be purchased via the 25-year rule. The rumors of glowing Japanese cars took over the import scene, and sales dropped like crazy. So, importers started testing cars for radioactivity at the ports, and if they failed, off they went to sit out in the Fukushima exclusive zone until someone either stole the car and tried to ship it off again, or it became less radioactive, which takes a while, probably about 2,000, 3,000 years. <laughs> yeah, like thousands of years. Between shocking and radioactivity, Japanese cars are used to sitting around and watching time pass. That's why it's totally normal to go to the grocery store and park next to a beat-up classic with flat tires and dust-caked windows. The practice of hochi jidosha, or abandoned cars, is so common in Japan that their entire industries built up around it. Okay. Uh, fellow automotive YouTuber Samit uncovered a car park in Tokyo with a pay-by-the-month parking spots. All right. The company owns a whole series of lots, and in one of their underground ones... They tow away and store all the nicer cars that they find abandoned. The video starts with him explaining why the Japanese abandoned their cars, kind of like this whole podcast so far. Uh, (laughs) Then he just casually walks past rows of early 2000s Imprezas uh, that look like they were parked there when they were still brand new. There are so many rare Imprezas that he just overlooks uh, a 22B, which is a very... Yeah, that's like holy grail. Dude, Salmon, I can't believe you would just walk by that and ignore it, bro. Cancel him. (laughs) (laughs) Across the aisle is a covered up Lambo and a late 60s Aston Martin. Kind of like how James Bond drives. (laughs) (laughs) Bunch of banged up drift cars and a mint 1969 nice Camaro. Those are all good cars that get saved for resale or collecting. But... For every 22B or Aston Martin, there are hundreds of thousands of base model Suzuki's, Hondas, and Toyotas that wind up in the jaws of a crusher. No. Man, you got to recycle them, man. Dude, you got to, man. You got to. One car that certainly shouldn't wind up in the crusher is a red Ferrari found rotting away under a thick layer of dust in a Japanese barn. This is the barn find of the title. Finally, we get to the barn We're finds. talking about the title. Dude. We're at the barns. All right. Guys, we are at the barns, okay? Hell yeah. Thank you, James. But this wasn't just any old Ferrari. This one got the leading Ferrari expert in the world to drop everything and go have a peek. Do his freaking... I'm just like... (laughs) Yeah, like what's this Ferrari expert... What what do Ferrari experts do on a day-to-day, right? Uh, Eat caprese. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they have a little espresso and a caprese, and yeah. he just dropped both of them. Yeah. He wasn't even close to being finished with that caprese. They, they drink espressos really fast and chase it with tonic water. Espresso and caprese sounds like just a gut bomb. <laughs> just butt suicide. <laughs> butt suicide. Dude, I found an amazing <laughs> focaccia 
in Ooh. Silver Lake. Ooh. It they had like homemade focaccia with like you know meatball subs. You can get a you can get like eggplant caponata subs, and then Ooh. get like a for a couple bucks extra, get a burrata ball put on top. Oh man, Mama and mia. then they give you like a. A 33-ounce espresso to wash it down. <laughs> My Jean, dude. <laughs> uh, when the tarp uh, was pulled back, Ferrari historian Marcello Massini said, Mamma mia. <laughs> he was like, My Jean, bro. It was super rare, one of a kind. Only remaining aluminum body GTB slash four. Wow. Only a few Ferrari aficionados, super collectors, aficionado, Italian word, even knew that this car existed. <laughs> I and didn't. My, yeah. I yeah. Didn't. You didn't. No. And you're like top 10, dude. Yeah. Massini had heard of the car's possible existence, but he never was quite sure. Now, this is where it gets interesting, okay? <laughs> now, this is where it gets interesting. I'm Aaron Mankey. Apparently, Enzo Ferrari himself ordered this car for his close friend, Luciano Canti, the publisher of the racing magazine, Otto Sprint. The car was a street-legal version of the race cars that Ferrari raced in Daytona in 1969. There were 1,200 standard steel-bodied Daytonas built for general sale to the public. Then, the famous five aluminum-clad models slotted for endurance racing. Wow. Interesting. And, of course, the one found in the Japanese barn. Massini verified the Ferrari, which was known for setting the record for fastest production car in 1968. It was legit and went on the auction block where it pulled a staggering 2.17 2.17 million dollars in 2017. Wow. You know what? I don't think I'd want an aluminum Ferrari because I really like putting magnets on my cars. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of magnets do you have on your car? Alphabet. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I remind myself to like get paper towels. Oh, it's your shopping list on yeah. the side of your car? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not for decoration. I'm not a child. <laughs> People were as fascinated with the history of the car as they were the composition of the body material. The car had been in the hands of Conti for only a year before it was sold to the second owner, an unknown collector who instantly flipped the car and sold it to a secret Japanese buyer who parked it in a garage and refused to sell it for decades. Then he changed his mind and sold it to Makoto Takai, who immediately <laughs> sent it to auction. Man. Dang, what a cool story. Yeah. It's, it's a great looking automobile. Dude, I dropped my espresso looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> While importing and storing a super rare Ferrari kind of makes sense, there was a car found on the other side of Japan that left everyone scratching their heads. Flavian Vital, a Japan-based photographer. 
Flavian Vidal. Flavian Vidal, a Japan-based photographer, was hanging out with a friend of his who had a classic car restoration shop with more projects than parking spots. That sounds familiar. Am I right, guys? Oh, my God. All right. Anyway, I'm Will Arnett. Um, His friend got a lead on an unused hangar and invited Vidal to have a look. The owner of the warehouse told him he could rent the place for cheap if he hauled out all the old junk out of there. Get it out of there. The owner even mentioned there are a few cars with titles in the glove box that they could keep if they wanted to. He just wanted to finally make some money off the property. That sounds awesome. That's insane. When Vidal and his friend took a peek at the hangar to see how much work awaited them, they were shocked to find a bunch of cars. The most shocking of all was a pristine 1989 Camaro RS with only 25,000 miles on the odometer. That's the most shocking? <laughs> I know. That car right? sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd take... I don't Like, if someone was like, hey, you want this for free? I'd be like, uh... No. <laughs> I would take it. I know you would. You have a problem. <laughs> That's a cool car, man. That... I, the teal one? Teal T-top? Dude, teal T-top is like a, a riff-raff. Dude, can you line. imagine me and Flavian riding around Flavian. in that T-top? It was a real... This RS was a real import model that had been shipped to Japan for a collector who probably had a mullet and then forgot about it or couldn't afford the shocking uh, payment. Vidal's friend got a new battery, hooked it up, and the V8 instantly roared to life. Well, not exactly roared because it was a stock 89 Camaro RS, which had the LO3 engine, which was a 305 cubic inch, 170 horsepower, fire-breathing V8 that put down (laughs) 255 foot-pounds of torque. The RS was a Malaise-era sports car, which rarely gets any love from demolition derby drivers, let alone wealthy collectors. Someone over there had a hankering for American muscle, even if it was the weakest version of it available. However, the interior of the RS was as mint as can be, and after swapping out the rotted tires, they were off to do some burnouts. Could probably make a sweet dirt oval car. Oh, yeah. Dirt stock car with that thing. Hell, yeah. Um, Joe, I would not be surprised if you if you bought one of these in the future. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for a place with a weird toilet, not a couple... <laughs> Parking spots, okay? <laughs> yeah, I have one parking spot and a weird toilet. <laughs> Tire rot is a very common problem when it comes to storing cars. After a decade or so of sitting, the protective resin that keeps tires from oxidizing and drying out fades and wears off. The oils in the rubber dry out, and the tire becomes brittle and cracks. The older a tire is, the more likely this is to happen. That's rubber for you. Yeah. <laughs> And no one knows this better than the mysterious Pro Auto in Gifu, Japan. The backyard of their abandoned car dealership became briefly internet famous when it was spotted on Google Maps. The street view shows piles of 60s and 70s European collector cars and race cars. Just from the pics, you can spot a McLaren, a Maserati Merak, and a bunch of Abarths, a De Tommaso Mangusta, which Nolan can't fit in, a bunch of Reliant Robins, Unipower GTs, Corbin Sparrows. There's even the McLaren MP4-4 
uh, or an amazing rec- replica uh, that Ayrton Senna won an F1 championship uh, back in 1988 buried under some collapsed ceiling tiles. I love how it's all just like amazing cars and then a bunch of reliant Robins. <laughs> what? <laughs> Corbin Sparrow. Yeah, I'm going to uh, go ahead and guess that's not Ayrton's car. You don't know that. I don't. I don't know for sure. But, but I'd say guess. it's definitely not. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as you flip through images that people have taken after sneaking into the three-story abandoned dealership, the mass collection just gets weirder and weirder. There's kit cars everywhere, a sea of minis, tons of one-off weird builds that someone decided there was a need to hold on to. And Aston Martin's all snuggling together. <laughs> if you poke around enough, you'll find the collection isn't totally abandoned. The sign on the building reads Pro Auto, and a bunch of folks on internet forums claim it's an auto restoration business currently in service. But looking back through the historic shots from 2019 to 2021 on Google Street View doesn't show much movement in the cars rusting around the building. So this is just someone got some internet sleuth was like, whoa, I see a bunch of Corbin Sparrows. (laughs) (laughs) That is a weird car. Corbin Sparrow? Yeah. Corbin Sparrow sounds like a, like a, that is a weird car. Uh, Sounds like a side character in like a young adult novel. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's Corbin Sparrow. Oh, that's Corbin Sparrow. He's so hot. Uh, That thing's weird. (laughs) It's like a little three-wheeler, two wheels in the front, one wheel in the back. It looks like something a, a, a minion would drive. Yes, totally. Or like Jimmy Neutron. Or Jimmy Neutron. We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Typically, with a barn find, you can cajole or buy your way into ownership of the rare vehicle you just found passing time underway a tarp. But that isn't so at this secret Japanese stash of rare racers and performance cars. This lot of rusting race cars was stumbled upon when an auto photographer was making small talk with a restorer. He told him of the legendary spot where someone had casually parked a 1999 Toyota Supra GT500 JGTC race car outside the front door of a shop. The Supra in question was the number 38 Serimo FK Massimo JGTC car that was driven by Yuji Tachikawa and Hironori Takuchi in the late 90s. The Supra ran in the All Japan Grand Touring Car Championship, or Super GT, and traded paints with poster-worthy whips like Lamborghini Diablos, Dodge Vipers, Porsche GT1s, Honda NSXs, McLaren GTRs, Nissan 300ZXs, and GTRs. And now, it's a flower pot that also acts as a marketing ploy for the small shop. Around back of this shop is where the real magic happens. One of the first things to catch the eye is an early Honda NSX Superleggera, just left there next to some rotting, uh, a rotting Alpina. Nearby is a rotting C3 Corvette and a row of E9 BMWs. The shop has been there for more than 50 years, and they've accumulated more than 200 amazing vehicles, and they've just left them all out in the rain to die. There's so many old race cars and drift cars that they've started jamming them into shipping containers and then stacked more on top of the containers. They've even got a legit NASCAR stock car sitting on the roof. No matter how much yen you try to throw around, none of these cars are for sale. Every car is a donor vehicle, a bin full of parts and waiting, 
or a part of an endless to-do list the restoration and race shop owners are working on. The longer you look around, the rarer the cars get. Some of the cars not hidden away are an Alpina B7 Turbo S Coupe, a BMW 635 CSI, very cool, a Land Rover TD5 Defender Crew Cab with Arabic writing on the side, that's sick, a Toyota Truno GTZ, a C3 Corvette on Workmeister wheels, hell yeah, a few Hako Sukas, a Citroën AX GT, and just so much more that it's exhausting to catalog everything there. I'm out of breath. And that's why it's in a secret location. That's why we haven't mentioned the name. The 50-year-old family-owned shop likes their privacy and wants to avoid a bunch of Instagram auto-influencers or nosy YouTubers like myself from waving their cameras around their peace and quiet, or worse, car thieves looking for something a bit spicier than catalytic converters. Guys, we should try to find this shop. We'll go in through the roof, Mission Impossible style. This is our angle at getting a flight to Japan to go shoot some stuff. (laughs) We should take a boat. (laughs) Take a vote or take a boat? Well, we can vote on the boat. Let's vote on the boat. Japan does everything a little differently. From modifying cars to storing them for decades, they tend to put their own flavor into it. Umami. <laughs> they put their own flavor. <laughs> With the 25-year rule just starting to catch up to the late 90s cars, the world is on the verge of a whole new era of exciting Japanese barn finds. Expect Skylines and Supers galore to start getting discovered under dusty tarps just in time to ship them to America and make someone some serious money. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what do you what do you say about barn finds in Japan specifically? Yeah. Well, I know that I want an espresso and a caprese sandwich right about now. That's for damn sure. Little butt suicide. <laughs> yeah, I can go for that right now. <laughs> Should we go around the table and say what we're grateful for? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah, new new year, new bit for the show. Yeah. You started off Scott, <laughs> every, son. I think every episode yeah. from now, every episode in 2022, guys, all right? At the end, we should go around the table and say one thing that we're grateful for. Yeah. Uh, Scott, son, you start. Um, You know, just after a long break and coming back to work, uh, this is a really basic pick, but I'm just grateful to be part of this team. Uh-huh. And make cool stuff with you guys. I'm sorry to be too too. My 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 gratefulness will be. I'll have more bits later on, but I want to start off the year with something genuine, and that's what I'm grateful for. Yeah, that's great. That's great. All right, I'm a headliner, so Joe, you go next. Okay, <laughs> I'm grateful for being able to go to the office and hang out and do some work, but it's fun and. There's fun stuff. There's snacks there. (laughs) (laughs) There are snacks there. Yeah, pretty good snacks. Uh, You know, people over order for lunch, so we get free lunch a lot, which is cool. That's what I'm thankful for. Yeah, I'd I'd like to uh, like to echo that. I'm grateful for the snacks at work. Um, Grateful to be part of the team, and I'm. Super grateful that Nolan is taking jujitsu so I can confidently talk to people. 
we're hanging out. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to have fight for you. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't usually well, happen with someone who's younger than you. It's usually like an older brother who defends you. Yeah, but you know what are labels? You know, it's 2022. My little brother can. It's true. I mean, I'm best friends with Nolan's dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. <laughs> and Nolan is the oldest younger brother we've ever had. Yeah. And we've had a lot. Yeah. <laughs> they don't last very long. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't tend to. They tend to. <laughs> we tend to go through them like paper towels, don't we? Yeah. Jim? We get in a lot of fights and we need a lot of defending. Oh, no. <laughs> I'd like to, with that being said, I'd like to dedicate this first podcast recording of 2022 to all of the little brothers that Joe and I have lost <laughs> throughout the years. Oh, wow. RIP. Uh, we do have some listener mail this week. Uh, great, 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 great new bit, guys. I like it. Uh, anyway, this uh, this letter comes from Chase. Hey, guys, my name is Chase. <laughs> <laughs> I started with Up to Speed on Donut and loved the longer format of the podcasts. Good stuff. I think a cool topic for Past Gas would be to discuss the relationship of car culture and different genres of music. Have a good one and be kind. Peace sign emoji. Chase. Short and sweet. Nice. Dude, Chase, I just want to give you a shout out because you have a rare name that is a verb. Yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I can't think of any dads named Chase. <laughs> no, there's not oh. a single one. Oh, uh, actually, one of my, my best friend in high school's name is Chase and he's a dad. Oh, that's a young dad there though. You yeah. What's our email address again if you want to hit us up? Passgas at donutmedia.com. Hell yeah. And you can follow James at James Pomfrey. You can follow Joe at Joe G. Weber. You can follow me at Nolan J. Sykes if you'd like. We drop new merch items almost every week. You can go to donutmedia.com, pick some of that stuff up. Some of it's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, we got some really cool designs coming for you in the future. And we have some really cool designs right now. So check it out. You're listening to 95.5 The Drive. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. 
That's A-N-G-I dot com.